Krishna go Gopinashai Makunda Radha Kunda Giri Govardhana Kijan Vrindavan Dhamma Kijan Tura Dhamma Kijan Dabhadrit Mayapur Dhamma Kijan Jagannath Puri Dhamma Kijan Gangamai Juna Devi Kijan Bhakti Devi Kijan Tosi Maharani Kijan Samaveta Bhakta Rinda Kijan Gora Preminent All glories to the Assembly All glories to the Assembly All glories to the Assembly All glories to Sri Guru and Goranga All glories to Sri Namaste Saraswati Devi Gauravani Pachana Nirvasesunivadi Paspacha Deshitari. This is a Paspacha Deshitari. Mande Ham Shri Guru Shri Yuta Padakamalam Shri Guru Vaishnavam Shri Yukam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raganatam Vitam Stam Sajiram. Sadvoitam Sadvajutam Padijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sagana Lavita Shri Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya December 27, 2016, at the festival near Wellington, New Zealand. And we're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 1, Chapter 15. The Pandavas retire timely. Text 51. Yashradayaita Bhagavat Priyanam Mando Sutana Miti Samprayanam Shrino Talam Swastayanam Pavitram Ladva Harao Bhakti Mupaydi Siddhim Departure for the ultimate goal. Trinoti hears alam only swastayanam good fortune pavitram perfectly pure Lubdva by obtaining harau unto the supreme lord bhaktim devotional service upaiti gains sitting perfection translation and purport by Shilpabhupada. The subject of the departure of the sons of Pandu for the ultimate goal of life back to Godhead is fully auspicious and is perfectly pure. Therefore, anyone who hears this narration with devotional faith certainly gains the devotional service of the Lord, the highest perfection of life. Perfect. Srimad Bhagavatam is a narration about the personality of Godhead and the devotees of the Lord like the Pandavas. 
the narration of the personality of Godhead and his devotees is absolute in itself, and thus to hear it with a devotional attitude is to associate with the Lord and constant companions of the Lord. By the process of hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, one can attain the highest perfection of life, namely going back home, back to Godhead, without failure. Thus end the Bhakti Nanta purports of the first canto, 15th chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled The Pandavas Retire Timely. The subject of the departure of the sons of Pandu for the ultimate goal of life back to Godhead is fully auspicious and is perfectly pure. Therefore, anyone who hears this narration with devotional faith certainly gains the devotional service of the Lord, the highest perfection. To gain perfection. Everybody would like to gain perfection, yes? Prabhupada says in the purport, going back home, back to Godhead without failure. Does that sound good? Anybody want to be a failure? Yeah, our parents don't say to us when we're little, grow up and be a failure. So we all want to be perfect. Uh, we want to at least do something perfectly, even if you don't care about perfect grades, at least you want to be a perfect video game player or something. <laughs> Have perfection in, in something. So what is this perfection? So generally at the present time, perfection is put forward as what? Having a big house and a BMW and maybe a Jaguar in the garage and an attractive romantic partner and a flat screen TV in every room and kids who go to Oxford and got to have a dog. <coughs> but is that perfection? Is that perfection? Does everyone who achieved that, do they say, I've achieved perfection? Do they? The people who have the big house and the flat screen TV and the BMW and the dog. No. Every day we can read in the paper someone else in that position who's miserable, who's drug addicted, who's getting a nasty divorce, who says, you know, my life, this wasn't worth it. And other people think what's perfection? Maybe to travel around the world, climb Mount Everest, and swim across the Panama Canal. So is that perfection? Have a big strong body, be very famous. So the people who achieve that, would they all say, yes, I've achieved perfection? So what is perfection? What does it mean? Sitting to achieve perfection. What is this perfection? And how do we achieve it? What is this perfection? And why does the Bhagavatam help us achieve it? And how do we utilize the Bhagavatam in order to achieve it. So Prabhupada says here that perfection is going back to home, back to God. That's how he's defining perfection. That's a radical definition of perfection for the modern day. It's very radical. As Mars was talking yesterday about people who want to go to heaven. So someone may think going back to Godhead is something like a super heaven, ultimate heaven where I have the ultimate satisfaction for me, for my body and mind. But that's not the perfection 
The perfection of going back to Godhead also doesn't necessarily mean a geographical change. Many years ago, I was uh, I was at the airport in, in Hawaii, and there were some people there I was talking to. I said, oh, where are you going? They said, well, we're going to New Zealand. And I said, why would you leave? I hope I'm not offending any of you. But I said, <laughs> why would you leave Hawaii to go to New Zealand? <laughs> Oh, it's a beautiful place there. I said, what's a beautiful place here, too? So people think if I change my geographical location, you know, if I move my physical body from one place to another. So we may think like that about the spiritual world. We may think, well, the problem is that I'm here on this earth planet. This is the lowest of the middle planets. It's like you just made it into the middle class. <laughs> just crossed over the railroad tracks. And it's the cosmic winter here. It's the Kali Yuga. It's a pretty lousy time to be here. From a material sense gratification point of view, this is not a very nice place to be, to have a human body uh, in the cosmic winter on the lowest of the middle planets. You know, if you really want to enjoy the material world, this is not <laughs> if you're kind of like in the slums of Mumbai or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fact. I mean, spiritually, just like Prabhupada said, he said uh, the demigods are taking birth in this Kali Yuga on the earth planet. He said, just like you Westerners go to India. He said, same thing. India is not. And I hope I'm not, now I'm going to offend the Indians, so first I've offended all the Kiwis, now I'm going to offend all the Indians. Uh, so, materially, India is not a very nice place, most of it. Sorry, but it isn't. Uh, but spiritually, there's an advantage. Uh, anyway, so one may think that's my problem. My problem is I have this human earth body in the cosmic winter on the earth planet, where I'm lucky if I live to 60. Once you hit 60, nobody's surprised if you die. <laughs> I'm lucky if I can go my whole life without disease. Anybody here go their whole life without disease? I'm lucky if I can go my whole life without anxiety. I'm lucky if I can go my whole life without some serious relationship problem. And we may think, you know, if I could just change my physical location and I could find some heavenly situation and back to God, it's going to be like that. Kalpavriksha, Lakshabhateshu, it's going to be desire trees and chintamani dust and, you know, sarabi cows. Then I'll get to really enjoy. You know, but that's not the perfection of life. That's just a ramping up of what people are being dissatisfied with on this planet. Now, Prabhupada would say if you have food in an uh, iron pot or you have food in a gold pot, the same food... It's the same taste. The taste doesn't change. So the essence of just trying to enjoy through a body and mind, uh, it doesn't really matter whether you're doing that as Lord Brahma, Abrahma, Bhuvanaloka, Punarvati, or whether you're doing it as a frog. I mean, it's essentially, the essential thing of it is the same. It's an illusion. Whether you have a very nice illusion or a not very nice illusion, it's essentially an illusion. Yes? Just trying to change from a nightmare to a nice dream, it's still a dream. It's not 
substantial. That's the problem with all material happiness. I've given this example many times. There was uh, one fast day when I took a little rest and I was very hungry. So in my dream, I was eating. And I had a big feast. I remember there was pakoras in my dream. And I was very thirsty. I was fasting from water, so I was drinking, you know, so I was taking a cup. And I was drinking a cup. And I was still thirsty, so I drank another cup. And I was still thirsty, so I drank another cup. And at a certain point in my dream, I took a big jug of water. And I was like pouring it. And then in my dream, I thought, something's funny here. And then I woke up and I thought I was dream water. So, my dear friends, it's all dream water. And that's why you can get... I mean, I remember when I was 13, I was babysitting. And the kids had just gone to sleep and I was kind of bored. And I was sitting there thinking... I don't know. That guy's kind of a funny kid, I suppose. I was thinking, what's the purpose of life? I think the purpose of life is to be happy. Prabhupada also says that in uh, Caracas, Venezuela. So I thought, well, am I happy? So I made a list. You know, I have a nice family, we have enough money, and I get good grades, and I have nice friends. You know, I made this whole list. And I looked at my list, and I said, well, I I guess I'm happy. (laughs) It's dream water. And no matter, you know, how clear and pure the dream water is, and how sparkling it is, it's still dream one. So perfection of life is not having an illusion, it's having the reality. So back to God, it is not simply a matter of geography. It's not just, you know, somehow I leave this place and I go to another realm. It's a change of consciousness by which one experiences reality. And one can experience that even in this earth body, in Kali Yuga, on this earth planet, now. In the 20th chapter of Krishna book, Srila Prabhupada says, the materialists find the world to be a very aggressive place, but to the devotees, everything is very happily situated. Sometimes when I tell that to devotees, I say, isn't it the reverse? I'm like, if you think it's the reverse, why are you chanting Hare Krishna? So it's a state of consciousness, and realms correspond to consciousness. At the end of the Nectar of Instruction, when Rupa Goswami talks about the different realms and the different levels of people, you're all familiar with Nectar of Instruction? Yes? He talks about the different gradations of people, the fruit of worker, the speculative philosopher, the yogi, the devotee, and then among the devotees. And then he talks about different realms. Higher than Vaikuntas, Mathura, higher than Mathura, the forest of Vrindavan, higher than the forest of Vrindavan, the Govardhan Hill. And these realms correspond to a state of consciousness. So the perfection of life is having a radically different state of consciousness. What is the consciousness back to home, back to Godhead? So we've all heard this a gazillion times. That I am meant to facilitate Krishna's service rather than that everyone should facilitate my service. 
material consciousness is not just that I'm trying to enjoy this body and mind, but I think that everybody here and everybody in the whole creation should be facilitating the enjoyment of my body and mind. And if they do that, they're my friend, and if they're not, they're my enemy, or they're mutual. But the real perfection is when I facilitate Krishna's happiness. Rishikena, Rishikena, Sevana, Bhakti, Rishikena. Now, as conditioned souls, we instinctively rebel against something like this. We, to, in our mind, that means that someone is like a Hitler or an Ibn Amin or a Stalin or, or, you know, the head of Monsanto or something. Someone who's just like, you know, everyone should make me happy and you should slave in, in poverty. That, that's kind of what we think. We think, well, Krishna's the enjoyer, Bokhyam Yagatap, some Sarvalokamesha, he's the enjoyer, and he just wants to suck all the enjoyment out of me, and I'm not supposed to care about myself. That's kind of how we interpret that. And that doesn't seem like perfection to us. So although we talk about going back to Godhead, there's something in us, like Maharaj was saying yesterday about surrender, that we want to convince everyone else to surrender. But for ourselves, we're terrified of it. We just think, what about me? I'll be a little insignificant nothing at the periphery. You know, and just giving everything to the center. While I just kind of fade into oblivion. Uh, but we forget that we're part of Krishna. And when I give everything to Krishna, I'm really giving everything to the self of myself. To the super self. And that that's the only way to give anything to myself. Because then I'm giving to the real self, not to the false self, and I'm giving to the real self in the real way. You know, the example we give again, you've heard this, you could say it in your sleep, that we feed the stomach. We feed right, all of our fingernails, our hair. You know, if you use fancy shampoo and you don't eat right, your hair will not look very nice, isn't it? Right? We nourish our hair, our skin, our eyes through our stomach. We don't just take the food and rub it. I mean, nowadays, of course, you can buy cosmetics where you're actually rubbing food into your skin. Also. But ultimately, we nourish the stomach. And we all understand this concept that I can really serve myself better by serving the whole of which I am a part. And that Krishna is asking us to serve him, not to be exploited, but out of love, suridam sarvabhutanam, because he loves us. And he knows the only way we can be happy is in cooperation. I mean, this is true even in a group of people like this. We have a gathering here, and if each person here is only thinking about themselves, like we were just dancing, could you imagine if each person was just dancing completely separately? And everyone just singing their own tune. You know, and everybody trying to be the center. Would it have been a very pleasing dance? We would have been bumping into each other, you know, and pushing and shoving each other, like Japanese commuters getting on the train. And it wouldn't have been very pleasing at all. But when we have Krishna at the center, then although each of us remain individuals, it's very pleasing. We all have this understanding. If we want to work together as a family, then we have a shared interest. If everyone just has their own separate interest, if the wife is thinking the husband exists to serve me and the husband is thinking the wife exists to serve me and the children are thinking the parents exist to serve me and the parents are thinking the children exist to serve me, then there's only conflict. 
So we all have this experience that having a shared interest and having a center gives harmony for all of us. This is the concept behind sports. We all work for the same team or behind nationalism. We all work for the same country or the family concept or any kind of group. So why not with the real center? So that is the ultimate perfection. And that gives us... Now this is really radical. Okay, this is really radical. So, Bhakti in commenting on the first verse of the Shikshastika, Anandam Bhudivardhanam, he says that the jiva has a finite capacity for pleasure. We've all experienced this? Yes? Krishna has an infinite capacity for pleasure. And he says when we serve Krishna, we experience his infinite pleasure. See, I'm thinking, if I give everything to Krishna, I give everything to Krishna, and I'm empty, because we've done that in this world. We've tried to give everything to our mother and father, maybe to our brother and sister, maybe to our spouse, our romantic partner, to our dog, to our country, to a business, to something, and all we were left with was, huh, I gave, and I didn't get what I gave. I gave this much, I wasn't appreciated, I wasn't reciprocated. But when you give everything to Krishna, he gives everything to you. And who has the more everything to give? And Prabhupada writes in one purport that when we enjoy through Krishna, we enjoy everything that Krishna is enjoying. Meditate on what that means. Krishna is Akila Rasamrita Murti. He's the form of all pleasure. We think, okay, the rasas, that means the five, what are the five rasas? Come on, all of you are supposed to be like absorbed in the Shastra, right? You date religious Swami's disciples and followers and well-wishers. You're all supposed to be like total, totally saturated with Shastra. Yes? You have that reputation. Come on, you gotta look up to your reputation. So what are the five rasas? Okay. Shanta, peacefulness. Dasya, serving, yeah? Sakya, friendship. Saya, parental. Madhurya, romantic. And then what are the seven secondary rasas? Okay, chivalry, which has three subdivisions. And? Hmm? Anger. Ghastliness, uh, humor, humor compassion, compassion uh, wonder, wonder fear. You might think, well, those don't sound very enjoyable. But, you know, people like to, to people enjoy fear. Yes, roller coasters, bungee jumping. That's why we came to this world. That's why we came where? To this world. To this world to become scared. <laughs> people enjoy sadness they'll say was it a good movie oh yeah it was a great movie <laughs> people enjoy that so Krishna's enjoying all those but don't think he's just you know each of those is just one thing like Rupa Goswami describes there's so many different kinds of coward boys right there's some who are a little older some the same age some younger Right, and he describes in Ujjwala Nilamani 350 categories of gopis. 
and actually describes each jiva as their own category. Sanatana Goswami explains in his commentary on Bhagavatam 10.14, I think it's verse 53, that Krishna has unlimited qualities and there's unlimited jivas and each jiva, jiva is attracted to a particular quality. In Vrindavan, we were just reading in the third canto how when Krishna married all the queens, the 16,100 queens, that it was a little different Krishna marrying each queen, that Krishna appeared exactly in the mood of each queen. So each jiva has a very particular taste that they're reciprocating with Krishna. And Krishna's relishing all this from unlimited jivas simultaneously. It's something like if you could eat a thousand different flavors of ice cream all at the same time and taste each taste. There's, um, there's one book written by a, a Christian minister who had a near-death experience and he had some view of a higher realm in his subtle body. And he said that he heard millions of voices glorifying the Lord and each voice was singing their own song and their own tune, but it was all in harmony. He said you could make out the voice and the words of each sound, each tune, but yet it all was a harmonious whole. So this is something like what Krishna is enjoying. And when we serve Krishna, when we give Krishna everything, then we experience that through Krishna. Now, does that sound like perfection? So this is to realize who we really are. This perfection Prabhupada speaking about in this purport, going back to home, back to Godhead, means self-realization, to realize what is our eternal form, what is our eternal service, what is our relationship to Krishna, and to act in that relationship. Which, of course, as a concomitant factor, means we get free from the modes of material nature. Wouldn't that be a relief? We'll talk about this a little bit with Manashiksha, getting free from the ropes around our neck, being pulled around by our senses and our mind, being the slaves of our body. So that's, a, that's just a, a side effect. It's an additional perk. Right? Even the devotees, when they're so full of service to Krishna, they hardly even care about this. They're like, oh yeah, liberation standing over there with folded hands waiting to serve me if I want her, but I'm not, I don't really care. So that is perfection. And of course, another side effect is that our relationship with others in this world, our relationship with this world, with material nature, with other living beings, with our bodies, uh, becomes relieved of conflict. But again, that's a side effect. We don't want to become perfect in devotion so we'll have perfect relationships and be, you know, ecologically conscious. That's not our purpose for becoming Krishna conscious. That's a natural side effect of becoming Krishna conscious. It's like when we met Prabhupada in 1976 and um, I was sitting in the class with my one-and-a-half-year-old son on my lap, the father of the granddaughter who's here. And uh, my father was also there. And Prabhupada looked at me and he said, just like this mother is loving her son without any expectation of return, in that way one should love Krishna. And my father said, will loving her son help her to love Krishna? And Prabhupada said, no. Loving Krishna will help her to love her son. So what happens is, when we attain this perfection of life, even a little bit, because it's proportional and gradual, it's not that we're totally in Maya or totally Krishna conscious, Right? Isn't that our experience? It's gradual. 
So as one gradually advances actually in consciousness of Krishna and service attitude towards Krishna, then one starts to feel full and complete. Om Purnamadal Purnamidam Purnat Purnadudachate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnam Eva Basishite. We're in touch with the complete and we start to become full. As we become full, our relationships with others are on the platform of giving rather than taking. In materialistic consciousness, we feel empty, we feel needy, we feel, I have to have this person to complete me, I have to have this person to serve me. When we are in Krishna consciousness, then we don't feel that we need, as Krishna says, we don't feel that we need any other living being. Our relationships are on the platform of freedom, that I love others uh, simply as an overflowing of my own feelings towards Krishna. And there was a, I was debating which verse to speak about today. Um, but one that I, I thought about was Bhagavatam 285 and 284 and 285. And there in 285, Prabhupada says in the purport how the devotees preach naturally because they're so overflowing with Krishna consciousness that naturally they want to give it to others. So on that platform, we can have you know ecstatic experiences in the brahmachari, grahasta, vanaprasta, sannyas, ashrams, and whatever career we do in the world, however we work with the animals of the world, the land, the objects in our life, because we don't have an exploitive mentality. So that is perfection. Well, here it is said that if we want to achieve perfection, at least some of you interested now in this perfection, (laughs) Prabhupada said we should be captivated by this. So how do we achieve perfection? Hmm. It says here, the narration of the personality of Godhead and his devotees is absolute in itself, and thus to hear it with a devotional attitude is to associate with the Lord and constant companions of the Lord. By the process of hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, one can attain the highest perfection of life, namely going back home, back to Godhead without failure. That's pretty simple, actually. It really is pretty simple. You know, Mara talked a little bit yesterday about different processes of perfection. So there's the process of trying to achieve perfection when you work really hard in the world. You know, you get good grades, you go to a good school, and you work at a job 60 hours a week and so forth. That's one way to try to achieve perfection. You can do karma yoga where you give up the results of your action. You work really hard and then you give away the fruits, and you work really hard and you give away the fruits, and you work really hard and you give away the fruits, and you work really hard and you give away the fruits until you become detached from the fruits. Or you can do jnana yoga where you just meditate on philosophy, actually... This world is all a bunch of dream water and I'm not this body and everybody dies. You become detached that way. Or you can do Astanga Yoga where by regulating the mechanics of the body. Krishna's so cool. He's made this body so if you just sit in certain ways and breathe in certain ways, you go into a state of trance. So you can try to achieve perfection in that way. But all of those ways are a little difficult, aren't they? I mean, working hard for something and giving away the fruits, is that easy? That's not so easy. Nowadays, people don't even want to do that in family life. They only want to cook for themselves and make money for themselves, isn't it? You know, people are trying to get the pleasure of the renounced ashram. What's the pleasure of the renounced ashrams? There's a material pleasure in the renounced ashram. Freedom! Who said that? Yes. Freedom. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not true. 
in anything, all right? <laughs> now you're happy. <laughs> There's an illusion of freedom in the renunciation. Thank you. So people are people are thinking that I'll have that by not being renounced. I'm not gonna actually be renounced. But I won't take any responsibility. This is the modern idea the modern perversion of the renounced ashram. You know, I live alone with my, maybe I have a cat or a dog. You know, and I have a romantic partner that I don't take any responsibility for. And I don't have any kids, right? So I work hard, I keep all the money, and I cook and I keep all the food. You know, human civilization is at least you share it with your spouse. Right? <laughs> share it with somebody. Now I've completely forgotten what I was talking about. <laughs> yes, so that idea of perfection, that I work and I give away the fruits, that's very difficult. We don't want to work and give away the fruits. We're attached to the fruits. To just study philosophy, right? A lot of you are like, I have to read the books two hours a day. Philosophy, two hours a day. When I can just turn on the TV and be entertained. You know, it's very hard to just sit and study philosophy. What to speak of Astanga Yoga, right? How many people can, like, go off to the mountains by themselves and just eat fruits and roots? But this is so easy. All we have to do is hear the Bhagavatam. To attain perfection, all we have to do is hear the Bhagavatam. So why does that work? Why does just hearing the Bhagavatam give us all perfection? Well, here Prabhupada's saying because then we're associating with the Lord and his devotees. We're actually associating with them. You know, we have illusion of this with modern entertainment, isn't it? Or, you know, old entertainment too. I'm sure it was there with Shakespeare's dramas also. You have an illusion like that. You know, if I see a drama, I watch a video, whatever, I read a book, that I'm actually associating with those people, right? That's why in TVs and movies they have serials where you feel like you get to know the people. And that's why in the news they have the same talking head all the time because you feel like you get to know the person, you get to trust them. Of course, you don't really know them. Isn't it? And you don't really know what they are. Then you find out that they're really something else. And you don't, you don't actually have a relationship with them. You know, if you went to see them on the street, they, they'd say, who are you? But that concept that we can have a relationship with someone by hearing about them is present even in our entertainment society. But here it's real. Prabhupada said the Bhagavatam is absolute. It actually is Krishna. It actually is Krishna's associates. When you hear about Krishna and Krishna's associates, you're actually factually with them. And why does that bring us perfection? Because they're very attractive our whole problem is we're not attracted to Krishna. Twelfth chapter, ninth verse. What does Krishna say is the purpose of sadhana bhakti? Abhyas yoga. What does he say the purpose? You do abhyas yoga in order to develop desire, itcha. Because everything, my dear friends, is resting on desire. We have that old painting in the Bhagavad Gita, right? The upside down tree for the fifteenth chapter. And you see on the water, desire. What do we desire? 
what is Rupa Goswami says the price is? Greed. In other words, an intense, intense, intense desire. And to get to the point that our desire is only for Krishna. That sounds so scary, doesn't it? But only for Krishna. So how do we get that desire? By hanging out with him. I mean, this is the process by which we desire anything. Bhagavad Gita, chapter 2, text 62 to 63. Anybody know those verses? By thinking about something, we become attached to it. Become, by becoming attached to it, our desire gets so strong that we say, I want it no matter what are the consequences. Of course, materially, when we do that, we become angry and disappointed and frustrated and bewildered. But the same process is there. So by reading the Bhagavatam, by hearing the Bhagavatam, Prabhupada particularly uses the word hearing, by hearing the Bhagavatam, we're hanging out with Krishna and his associates. We're contemplating them. Oh, Krishna did this. Oh, the Pandavas did this. Maharaj Pritchard did this. Oh, Atri Muni did this. I know one wonderful, wonderful devotee who lives in a very different part of the world, very elderly lady. Um, Before joining the movement, she was... uh, medical doctor, who's the head of a whole medical center, very educated person, very connected politically where she is. Indian body, very pious background. Even before coming to the movement, she used to chant. She said when she would walk, she would chant, Krishna Rama, Krishna Rama, Krishna Rama, before she contacted the devotees. And uh, she told me how one time she became very ill and she could practically not get out of bed for two years and so she spent that time just hearing and reading the Bhagavatam. And when she talks about the Bhagavatam, I mean, I don't think I can imitate it, but everything that she talks about puts her into ecstasy. She would say, I know we live in Atri Muni, stood on one leg. Can you imagine? He stood on one leg. And then there were the Brahma Vishnu. And I'm thinking, you're in ecstasy about Atri Muni? <laughs> You know, in any story she would tell me, she'd just go on and she's just this whole repository of Bhagavatam stories. And every story she tells about the Bhagavatam, she would just start crying. She was just in in so much ecstatic emotion. Why? Because she felt that she was associating with those people. Or just recently in Vrindavan, we were hearing Virjan give a class. Well, he never got to the class. It was a class on the first (laughs) verse of the seventh canto. And he has just finished writing a book all about the fifth and the sixth canto. So he said, before we can discuss the first verse of the seventh canto, we need to look at the background of the fifth and the sixth canto. And he spent the entire class telling us the entire fifth and sixth canto. And just hearing him, you felt like you were in the Bhagavatam. You know, he was telling us how the chapters related to each other and all the different personalities. And when you were hearing him, you felt like those personalities were in the room with you and you were meeting them. Another experience I had with, was with Radhika Raman. Any of you know Radhika Raman? A.K.A. Ravi Gupta. Any of you met him? Uh, so, uh, the first time I met him was in Italy. At a, what was it? Radhika or Italy. It was some sort of conference. Something like this, but a very um, philosophical, academic type conference. So he gave Bhagavatam class in the morning. And being physically young, uh, I don't even think he was married then, he was in his 20s, 
and not being a sannyasi or anything like that, hardly anybody came to his class. And hardly anybody recorded his class. And that was absolutely hands down the best Bhagavatam class I have ever heard anywhere in the Hare Krishna movement. And I was so sorry that I didn't record it. And he was talking about the section of Krishna's pastimes out of Vrindavan. He was talking about the killing of Muchakunda, uh, the killing of Kalyavana by Muchakunda. And as he was describing, and any of you know anything about Radhikiraman, he was homeschooled uh, by his mother Aruda, all based on the Bhagavatam. So except for mathematics, she pulled all the other subjects out of Bhagavatam. History, geography, science, everything. And such that he went to university when he was 12 years old. And he was already getting his... He was being published in Back to Godhead regularly at the age of 12. And he was being published regularly in non-devoting newspapers when he was 12. And got to university at the age of 12. He graduated from Oxford with his PhD when he was 22 doing his thesis on Jiva Goswami. And that was all from studying Bhagavatam. It was all from studying Bhagavatam. I haven't seen it yet, but his mother's created a uh, resource based on the Bhagavatam for homeschooling. And I've heard wonderful things, but I haven't seen it. It's uh, first canto, she's done first canto in one section, with all different activities and meditations and... Uh, educational stuff based on the Bhagavatam. So just from studying the Bhagavatam. So he was also just saturated with Bhagavatam. And when he spoke about the Bhagavatam, and he spoke about these leelas of Krishna from the Bhagavatam, he really felt that Krishna was standing in the room. That the Bhagavatam and Krishna were not different. That Krishna's pastimes were happening as he was speaking. So those who become absorbed in the Bhagavatam, I've given you three examples of people I know who are absorbed in the Bhagavatam, they're associating directly with the Lord and his associates. Actually, really, truly. Not in some theory, not in some philosophical way. They're feeling that association. And Krishna is attractive. I mean, okay, it's possible to associate with Krishna and not be attracted. That is possible. Who got to see Krishna and wasn't attracted? Can you give me some examples? There's plenty. Of positive way or yeah, they, they weren't. They didn't feel like I want to love Krishna and serve Krishna. They saw him face to face. Shishupal. Who's this upstart? There's so many senior people in the room. Why are we worshiping him? Who else? Kamsa. Who else? Hiranya Kashipu. Wow. He says, this must be Vishnu who's taking the swarm to kill me. Well, he, I'll kill him. Instead of going, wow. Look at that form. <laughs> who else? Huh? Yes. Yes. The guy that washes clothes, yeah. <laughs> and in, in fact, that story of the guy who washes the clothes. So, Mahaprabhu, you know, he's exhibiting his opulence as God. And he's giving out in this 21-hour ecstasy, and he's giving out benedictions to the devotees. And there was one devotee who didn't get benedictions, at least not right away. Who was that? Mukunda. Mukunda. They said, oh, aren't you going to give a blessing to Mukunda? He says, no. 
On Monday he's with the devotees, Tuesday he's with the Mayavadis. I don't know what he is. So they told Mukunda, sorry, you can't come in. And Mukunda says, am I ever going to get to come in? Will I ever get to see the Lord? So they, is he ever going to get to see you? Yeah, 10 million births. So imagine if we said that. I mean, Prabhupada says here, you read Bhagavatam, you go back to God without failure. We're like, yes! So if Prabhupada wrote in the purport, you read Bhagavatam and you will go back to God in 10 million births. <laughs> imagine we did, they went then on book distribution, you know? Here, my dear sir, here is a book where you will attain self-realization in 10 million births. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have joined the Hare Krishna movement, frankly. You know, but Mukunda was there. Yes! I will see him in 10 million births! And Lord Chaitanya says, so how is Mukunda taking it? You know, when you give somebody something really heavy, you have to kind of see how they handle it, right? Oh, he's dancing. Huh? I'll finally get to see him after 10 million... Okay, bring him in. And then there's this nice conversation between Mukunda and Lord Chaitanya and the Chaitanya Bhagavat. And Mukunda says, the real benediction, my dear Lord, is not seeing you. It's seeing you and serving them. And then Mahaprabhu tells that story of the guy who washes clothes. And he says, you know there was this one man who for many, 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 many lifetimes did austerities. I want to see God, 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 I want to see God. And finally God says, okay. So he appeared as a guy who washes clothes in Madhura. And finally, Krishna says, here I am. Oh, yeah. Now that I'm here, would you give me some clothes? A little few pieces of fabric? I'm not going to give you any pieces of fabric. That's for the king. Shh. You ever wondered why Krishna was like so fried with the man? <laughs> So, no, it's not just seeing the Lord. That's not sufficient, and we'll get to that in a minute. But Krishna generally is attractive. Generally, when one sees Krishna, one becomes attractive. There's that story Prabhupada tells of the thief, that there was a thief walking by, and noticed there was a Bhagavatam class going on. You know, especially in tropical countries, the class is outside. So he was walking by, there was this class, and he stopped to listen. And the speaker was describing Krishna, how Krishna is covered with jewels. And the thief thought, wow, that's a good target. That's how thieves think. They think, oh, you know, there's an old lady, good target. So he thought, again, a little kid with lots of jewels, good target. And then he listened to the Bhagavatam speaker, oh, you know, Krishna's in Vrindavan. Oh, I know how to get, that's not too far from where I am. You know, so I'll go check it out. So he went to Vrindavan, and there he's looking for Krishna. And Krishna appeared. And, you know, what do you want? He says, well, I came to steal your jewels. And Krishna said, well, I can't give you my jewels. My mommy would be mad. She put them on me. You know, if I gave them all to you, and I came home without them, then she'd punish me. And then he said, it's okay, I don't want your jewels. He just became totally attracted. We have an instance like that in our Hare Krishna movement with a devotee named Haridas. Hmm. 
So I was at the 25th anniversary of the Juhu Temple, and he was speaking about his story, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not going to tell it as well as he tells it. But he was a street boy. He was an orphan street boy. He didn't know who his parents were, grew up on the street, and he grew up by stealing in, in Mumbai. He didn't even know his name. Every time the police arrested him, he made up a new name. <laughs> and, you know, he lived on the street. And one time when he was in jail, he got a Back to Godhead magazine. He couldn't read, but on the back cover, there was a picture of Srila Prabhupada, a photograph, and Prabhupada was wearing a very nice watch. <laughs> and so he decided, when I get out of jail, I'm going to find this guy and steal his watch. <laughs> when he got out of jail, he found his way to where the devotees were. And the devotees at that time in, in Mumbai were in a very, very austere situation. You know, really, really, really austere. But to this guy who lived on the street, it was a palace. You know, wow, I have a roof over my head. And so they put him to work doing menial service, and he was saying, you know, this is who I want to meet. He was thinking, you know, I'm going to steal his watch. And they said, well, you know, Prabhupada's not here now, and a little, little later you can meet him, and so forth. Meanwhile, he was doing all this service, and uh, I think Vashaka gave him some japa beads, and he was chanting. And, uh, because he was accustomed to being a thief, so when they sent him out to buy boga for the deities, he would steal the boga. <laughs> <laughs> said it took him two years to give up his, his thieving habits anyway he finally got to meet Srila Prabhupada Prabhupada was staying someplace nearby and he begged the town president you know can I go and, and town president let him go and he met Srila Prabhupada and when he met Prabhupada Prabhupada said so why have you come <laughs> he said he said I've come to steal you <laughs> and Prabhupada just took off his watch and said here <laughs> he said no no I don't want it anymore <laughs> I had many sweet pastimes with, with, with him I mean one time when we walked past Prabhupada's room he said he offered his obeisances and a chocolate bar came out of his bead bag <laughs> <laughs> that he had stolen of course <laughs> And Prabhupada said, what is this? And he picked it up and looks at it. He said, no, 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 you know, we don't eat this. He said, why are you eating this? He said, well, Prabhupada, I like sweets. Prabhupada said, oh, you like sweets. He said, come with me. And Prabhupada went into the kitchen, took him into the kitchen, and made halva for him. Just imagine. And after he'd been in the movement two years, in those days, we generally got initiated after six months. I mean, Krishna Kshetra Maharaj got initiated after three weeks, but for most of us, it was like six months. But Haridas had been in the temple two years and nobody ever recommended him for initiation. So Prabhupada was in Juhu and he was doing initiation ceremony and Haridas was in the, the kitchen cleaning the pots. And you know what it's like when you're cleaning big pots, right? You're all covered with black from the bottom of the pots and, and like that. And he said to the, the head of the kitchen, you know, hey, can I go see what Prabhupada's doing in the temple room? No, no, you got to stay here. Please, can I go? No, you got to stay, please. Ten minutes, ten minutes. Go see Srila Prabhupada, come back. So he walks into the temple room, you know, black on his door. He says, Prabhupada sees him. Come, sit down. Hmm. And he asks him, what are the four regular principles? And then he says, and where are your beads? He said, oh, I left them in the kitchen. And Prabhupada took his own beads out of his bead bag and gave them to her. And Prabhupada says, what is your name? And he said, I don't know what my name is. He said, I've had so many names. Prabhupada said, what did the devotees call you? And he said, well, I think it was also Vishaka who said, or he said, uh, oh, we'll call you Haridas. Prabhupada said, okay, your name can be Haridas. 
Oh, this is an example that Krishna is attractive. Krishna's devotees are attractive. Even if yam krota kama sahaja pranayati bhakti vatsaya maha guru gova sevi bhava sanchinchitasam sadhusim tanamapurita. Even if we have ill motives, generally, with some exceptions like Kamsa and the washerman, generally, when we contact Krishna and his devotees, we will feel attracted. Our hearts will change and we'll say, yes, I really do want to serve Krishna. It awakens our spiritual attachment. It awakens that desire. And another thing, again, this is just a side effect, is that it changes our consciousness so we can see illusion and reality clearly. And I'm sure we've all noticed this, yes? By reading the Bhagavatam, our ability to understand things changes. I mean, I remember when I newly joined the Hare Krishna movement, I felt as if I couldn't see my whole life, but I didn't know I couldn't see, and I'd all of a sudden put on a pair of glasses. Some of you may remember, last time I came here, it was with my grandson Vikram, Mm -hmm. who's now Rasika Shekhar. Mm -hmm. But uh, he didn't realize until he was about 14 years old that he needed glasses. He just thought, of course far away things are blurry, they're far away. <laughs> you know, and it was, he overheard some conversation where he, all of a sudden he realized, oh, you can see that? I can't. And then when he got glasses, he was like, wow, there's a whole world out there. So that's a, a, a side effect of hearing the Bhagavatam. One starts to understand, oh, there's the modes of material nature, oh, we're not really this body. Oh, look at this, look at that. You see illusion for what it is. The way, my dear friends, we become detached from illusion, that we stop being the slaves of lust, anger, envy, greed, and so forth, is that we see it clearly. Prabhupada writes, you see the naked form of material desires. And when you see them clearly, you don't want them. It's just natural. Right? So I've told this story many times. And I don't know if anybody learns these things in school anymore. But in the uh, Odyssey, do you all still study the Odyssey? The Iliad and the Odyssey? Yeah, Prabhupada would quote sometimes on the Odyssey. So Ulysses is coming back home after the war, and there's all these obstacles on the way. So one obstacle are the sirens, which is where we get the word siren. So the sirens are witches who live on a desert island, And they sing very sweetly, and their sweet singing creates an illusion which lures sailors to the island, and they eat them. So Ulysses was warned about this, and so he told all of his men, put wax in your ears. They didn't have one of those boxes of earplugs like you have in the hallway, you know, that use wax. Must have been kind of hard to get it out of your ear afterwards. Anyway, they put wax in their ears, and he said, I want to hear it, but don't follow my commands as we go past the island and tie me to the mast. So they tied him to the mast with open ears and they had wax in their ears. So because they couldn't hear the sirens, as they were rowing past, they saw a desert island with heaps of bones of sailors and witches. And Ulysses saw a tropical island with beautiful women and fruit trees. (laughs) So when we're deaf to the singing of Maya, we see it for what we see that just the, the, the desire to enjoy our senses and mind and be the center is a witch. 
And this is a concomitant factor. It's a side effect of hearing the Bhagavatam and getting attached to Krishna and his associates. That one just looks at Maya and goes, yeah, why? Why would I want to go to a desert island of witches with bones? No thanks. And it's not, my dear friends, an aversion or a repression or a suppression. It's just flat. It's just, why? What for? Why would I want to do that? There's nothing attractive in it. All right, now is there a way to read the Bhagavatam? Because you might say, well, I mean, well, I've been reading the Bhagavatam for a long time. You know, and, and I read these purports and I just go, man, I don't know. Is it really true? Maybe I'll go back to school and work hard for the big house. I don't know. You know, back to home, back to God without failure. There's a how, which is the difference between, you know, the washermen and Kubja. There's a how. And the how here is Shraddha, with devotion, with faith. Now you might say, well, well, this seems to be circular because I get faith by reading the Bhagavatam and I have to read the Bhagavatam with faith. Where do I start? You start with a little bit of faith, a little bit of attraction. And then by reading the Bhagavatam with the purpose of attachment, then the faith grows. If one reads the Bhagavatam, my dear friends, as a religious ritual, did any of us come, maybe some of us, but did any of us come to the Hare Krishna movement to take up a religion and do religious rituals? Did anybody here? Is that why you came? Certainly not why I came. I was kind of shocked after a couple weeks in the movement when I realized, oh my God, I'm doing a lot of the things my parents always told me to do. <laughs> I thought this was the ultimate rebellion, you know, <laughs> joining the Hare Krishna movement. So, I mean, did we really come to take up a ritual? This is my Bhagavatam ritualistic reading time. I am dutifully reading the Bhagavatam. One hour and 32 minutes. What do you remember from the Bhagavatam? I don't know. I took some notes here. That's not how we should read the Bhagavatam. It's, it's Krishna. It is Krishna. And his associates. There are the Pandavas. There is Akshimuni. There is Devahuti. There is Kardama Muni. There are the gopis, the coward boys, the cows, Ramachandra, Matsya, the Singadev. They're there. They're actually there. It's our, our, our opening, our window, our, our portal. Right? There's all these fictional stories about magic portals, right? But it's actually a portal. It's, it's an opening. I probably said the paintings are windows to the spiritual world. And the Shastra is also like that. And, my dear friends, Srimad Bhagavatam is not only the association of Krishna 
and the Pandavas and Vidura and Maitreya and Narada Muni and Kardama, but it's Srila Prabhupada. You get to be with Srila Prabhupada. Prabhupada said these purports are his ecstasies. And Achandramali Swami told us that one time when he was reading the Bhagavatam, all of a sudden he heard the purports being spoken in Prabhupada's words. This is Srila Prabhupada. My husband told me many times that what he was looking for was he wanted to be with Jesus. He said, I wish I could have lived in the time of Jesus. I was looking for someone like Jesus to be with. And when I heard about Prabhupada, I said, yes, that's what he wanted. You know, most of you here will say, well, I didn't get to meet Prabhupada personally, but that's not true. It's not true. The first time I met Srila Prabhupada, I was fanning him while he was giving the Bhagavatam class. Which always interests me when people say, women shouldn't worship Prabhupada. Anyway, Prabhupada didn't seem to mind. I was 19 at that time. I was fanning Prabhupada throughout the whole... At least I remember his being through the whole class, but I think the fan must have been too heavy for me to do it for the whole class. But I, my memory is it for the whole class. So I was just standing to Shula Prabhupada's left, just a couple, half a meter to me. And when I was hearing Prabhupada speaking, my overwhelming experience was that hearing Srila Prabhupada speaking right next to him and listening to a recording of Prabhupada speaking was absolutely, totally, 100% identical. I experienced Prabhupada has always been here and he always will be here. We are so, so, so fortunate. Now, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to find any recordings? Videos? You can't even find what he wrote. I mean, the Bible was written so long after Jesus left the planet by his followers. It wasn't even his words. Maybe they're remembering it, maybe they're not. Who knows? We have Srila Prabhupada's own words. We have what Srila Prabhupada wrote. What Prabhupada would wake up at midnight or one in the morning to write for us. And when Prabhupada was asked, how do you do that? I mean, could we do that? Would you sleep only two or three hours to wake up and write books? Prabhupada said, I can't not do it. We should eventually feel that way about all of our Krishna consciousness. I can't not do it. I love doing it. It was this ecstasy to do it. So we're, we're also associating with Srila Prabhupada. And that's very important. Just even on a practical level, Srila Prabhupada was taking Krishna and his associates, their philosophy, their lila, their qualities, and putting it in a way that was understandable and relevant for us now. Otherwise, frankly, a lot of these things we'd read, we'd say, huh? Right? What do I do with this? Prabhupada brought them as the transparent via media. Prabhupada's bringing the spiritual world to us in a way that we can understand, that we can digest, that we can access. And he's bringing us, and this is such an important point, and I wish I had time to get into it in depth. One always, always, at every level of bhakti, whereas beginner bhakti, advanced bhakti, perfect bhakti, 
one always accesses Krishna through the devotees. This is the basic principle, ashraya vishaya, that we approach Krishna as the enjoyer and the devotee to understand how they are relishing Krishna, how they are serving Krishna. We pick up on the mood of the devotee. When we read Prabhupada's Bhagavatam and Prabhupada's purport, we are picking up on Srila Prabhupada's mood of unlimited compassion. Sarasvati Deva. He's a servant of Bhakti Siddhanta. And we will touch a little bit on this in our Manushiksha. How Srila Bhakti Siddhanta gave the highest, the highest practice of Bhakti in a way that couldn't be imitated, that couldn't be cheated, that could be applicable for everyone. Nirvasesa Sunyavadi, cutting all impersonal. Who wants to be impersonal anyway? Do we really want Im- an impersonal perfection? <laughs> cutting all impersonalism and emptiness and preaching all over the world to everyone, even here. without discrimination and expertly Srila Prabhupada expertly keeping the essence so that any culture any person could take it up how did he do that? how did Prabhupada keep the essence and make it applicable to all cultures and all countries and all people? so we are having association with that person and because we're having association with that person, the likelihood is that we become attached to Krishna. But we have to read with that mood. We have to hear with that mood. Not officially, not like, a, you know, Prabhupada talks about how if you hear from a professional reciter, there's no effect, right? I mean, unless you're like Srivast Thakur. Srivast Thakur heard the Bhagavatam from Devananda Pandit and he still went into ecstasy because he was able to hear the essence of the Bhagavatam. But generally, it's possible for somebody to hear and recite the Bhagavatam and there to be no spiritual effect at all because they're just licking the outside of the bottle of honey. So we need to actually taste the honey of the Bhagavatam, not as a religious ritual. Not as this is something I have to get done. I talked to one initiated devotee, not here, who told me, ah, I stopped chanting my rounds because it became another thing I had to get done. Poor Krishna. This is being with Krishna. We did a nice thing at the end of our uh, seminar last night. We asked people to write down their doubts and challenges and questions about the Grahasta Ashram. And, and some of them were just breaking our hearts when we were going through them. I mean, one of them said, no one in my family ever talks to me. Is that how we want Krishna to feel? that we kind of live in the same house with him, but we don't talk to him? When we talk to him, we're distracted? Just imagine. And I'm sure we don't have to imagine. I'm sure people have done this to us. They're talking to us, and we're talking to them, and they don't hear a word that we say. Right? They never connect with us. You know, while you're chatting with me, are you, like, playing a video game on the side or something? 
Isn't it? Have you ever chatted with somebody on the computer and you know that they're also answering their email and they're checking their Facebook feed? And <laughs> it's not real. Or, they, you know, the stereotype. And don't think it's all just modern technology. Even when there was newspapers, you know, there was the stereotype, the husband and wife at the breakfast table and the guy behind the newspaper. Yes, dear. Yes, dear. <laughs> Can I buy a new diamond bracelet? Yes, dear. Yet we don't want our relationship with Krishna to be like that. How would he feel? How would he feel? You know, sometimes I ask people when we try to meditate on our own insignificance, which is a good thing to do from time to time. I said, pick somebody who loves you and say, would you like to hear everything I did today? Would you be willing to sit down for two hours and hear everything I did today? (laughs) But you know, that's what we want. We're hungry for that. We're hungry for someone to care so much about me that they're interested in the minutia of what I think and what I do. You know, we have that person. He's in our heart, and he's actually listening and watching. He cares. Have you noticed sometimes Krishna cares about the minutia of your life? Have you noticed that? I mean, when I first joined the temple, so first day, I, well, I've lived in the temple before, but when I first joined, joined. I don't know, maybe I still haven't joined. But anyway, when I first officially moved in, so the first day Kishore Kishori were installed in Chicago, and the next day we were out on Harinam. So when I went out on Harinam, I realized I had the wrong shoes for Harinam. And I was thinking, I really need a good pair of shoes. And I have really tiny, tiny little feet. It's hard for me to find shoes. And I came back to the temple, and there were some shoes that fit me and were perfect for Harinam. And I went, wow. Right? Have you all had that kind of experience? Right? One of my funniest ones, and I'm sure some of you have heard this story before, is I was looking in my closet once, and I thought, I could use another silk sari. I like it to be, and I used to shop in India for the devotees, so you know, I was like, it's got to be this kind of silk and this thickness and this weave and this color, and it's got to have this kind of embroidery. I mean, I had a whole thing. I thought maybe when I go to India, I'll buy one. Nah, it's at least $40, you know, it's not worth it. I can get by with what I have. That whole thought was maybe 20 seconds, 20, 30 seconds. And then I forgot about it. And a few days later, one of the parents came to pick up her daughter at our Gurukul, and she says, Irma, I got something for you. Come here. And she hands me that sorry. Oh my God. You know, like somebody custom made it for me. And I just started crying. So there's somebody who's listening. Have you noticed this? There's someone listening to the minutia. You know, I had forgotten about it, but he didn't forget. And guess what? Prabhupada says in the story of Jambavan that Krishna has all the instincts of a human being. Guess what Krishna wants from us? He wants us to be that interested in him. Why is he that interested in me? Who am I? Even my own children aren't that interested in me. You know, I'll talk to them, I'll say, where are you now, Mata? Like, don't you read my Facebook posts? No, I don't have time. Even my own kids aren't that interested in me. Krishna's that interested in me. Why? 
nothing. I'm a speck. This whole universe is a speck, you know, not to say she can't even feel the universe on his head. The whole universe. It's like a little mustard seed. And inside this universe, we look at the stars, so many planets. This planet is a speck. There's entities on other planet looking at our planet going, I wonder what that little light is over there. <laughs> and then, you know, we're on this little tiny island. In this little tiny place. I hate to inform you, most people in the world have never heard of Wellington. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really good at offending people this class. What to speak of me? No, I'm nothing. When we die, what's there going to be? A, a, a sentence in the paper. You know? She was survived by her children and grandchildren. Funeral services will be at 2 o'clock and don't bring flowers. I mean, that's going to be it. If you're really, really, really big in ISKCON, we'll give you a paragraph in BTG. You know, and if you're really, really big, you'll get a 2,500 word for your whole life. Hmm. We're nothing. And Krishna's interested. He's interested. Why? Because he loves us. When I was in Sao Paulo giving a class, there was one mother, the whole class was looking at her baby's toes. The whole class. How interesting are her baby's toes? I'm not sure she's seen them before. <laughs> no. But because there's affection. So Krishna has affection for me, for each of us. He has affection. Krishna, my dear friends, likes to read the story of our life. He's interested in the story of our life. Can we not be interested in the story of his life? That's how we should read the Bhagavatam. If we read the Bhagavatam like that, then we will go back to Godhead without failure. Okay, now you may say, very wonderful, Ormila, but you don't know my life. <laughs> uh, I probably do, actually. I probably do. I've been out on the road in vans doing full-time book distribution, served a husband, took care of kids, often had lots of extra kids in my house went to the morning program with up to 30 kids. Hmm. You know, people say, I can't chant quality rounds because I have a baby. I'm like, uh, I had my job at time with 30 kids. Hmm. Went back to school as, you know, after being a devotee. Worked out in the world. Had a job where I had to be there at 7.20 in the morning. Sometimes I had to work 14 hours. Where I couldn't tell anybody what I was a devotee. Or I would have gotten fired. We can hear Srimad Bhagavatam every day with attention. We can doesn't matter 
It really doesn't matter. Those are all external things. Please don't think, I have to be a brahmachari or I can't hear the Bhagavatam. Or I can't have kids or my kids have to grow up or I can't have a job. It's not about the externals. 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 It's not. It's do we want perfection or not? What are we doing here? Why are we here? And, and now, I mean, Kali Yuga is great. We have modern technology. All you have to do to hear and read the Bhagavatam is have a smartphone. You know, we've got audio books. You can be hearing Shiva Prabhupada's books. You can hear Prabhupada's books in your car. One of David Ritaswami's disciples, Charnarenu, when she was getting her PhD in astrophysics, she didn't have much time to read Shiva Prabhupada's books, which I can definitely attest to that when you're getting a PhD, you don't have much time to read Shiva Prabhupada's books. Because you're already reading hundreds and hundreds of pages of other stuff all the time. So what did she do? She said as she was going around campus, she had a, a CD player, and she was listening to Dravida Prabhu reading Bhagavad Gita. And everywhere she'd walk on campus, she would listen until she had memorized the Bhagavad Gita. You know, I have a friend who has a job where he drives a lot, and he would listen to a Malabhakta reading the Chaitanya Charitamrita until he memorized the Chaitanya Charitamrita. And you can go to virtual classes. You know, you can go, you can, you can hear in your car, you can hear in the, in the train, you can hear in the bus, you can hear while you're cooking. And uh, there was a, actually I did go, this isn't my first retreat here, this is my third, if you count the ladies' retreat. So I remember when we did the, the ladies' retreat, and the devotee said, would you give a class, Ramila, on how to study Bhagavatam? And I said, no. Because the way I study Bhagavatam may not be the way you study Bhagavatam. So we got a circle of ladies, 20, 25 ladies, and we went, were you there? Do you remember that? And we ran around and we asked everybody, how do you study the Bhagavatam? How do you study the Bhagavatam? How do you study the Bhagavatam? And everybody, I was so enlivening. I remember, I remember Karna Karna, she's not here right now, but I remember her saying, she said, I love the Sanskrit, and I take the, the Sanskrit words from the verses, and I try to think of other verses that have similar words, and connect the verses together and try to understand them that way. And then it was another devotee who's now in Melbourne who said that, I turn the purports into questions and answers and then put it up on my blog. Another person says, I like to study with a friend and we ask each other questions. Someone else said, I turn the verses into poetry. Now, there's so many ways to study the Bhagavatam. To really interact. You're having a conversation with Srila Prabhupada. You're having a conversation with Krishna. You're actually hearing about Krishna so as to fall in love with him and to wake up to reality. So to find some way. <coughs> now, it's to get quality, you need to have quantity. This idea that they have in modern family life, well, I'm just going to have quality time with my family. My dear friends, that doesn't work. 
The way you're going to have quality is you have to have quantity. So I'm sure many of you have heard this a lot from me. So when I was growing up, I had an interesting relationship with my parents. My mother used to stay up late at night watching TV, and she wouldn't get up till maybe 10 or 10.30 in the morning. My father was never a TV person. He would wake up by 5. And I'd get up sometime between 5 and 5.30. And then I'd spend a couple hours every morning with my father. From the time I was 2 until I was 17 and went to college. Every morning, unless he was traveling for business. Every morning. And, and my father was a busy man. He was the CEO of a multinational company. He was the president of a temple, not a Hare Krishna temple. He was a busy person. And he made time for me every day. He would tell me stories. He would play games with me. I remember we each had a doll named Ginger. And his Ginger doll would tell me moral stories and stuff. He would make me breakfast. I mean, he never cooked anything in his life. But he would, you know, toast bread for me and put on honey, and he always liked honey. He never used sugar. And he'd pour the honey on my cereal, and every morning he made fresh orange juice for me. Every morning. And to this day, I don't like to drink canned orange juice. And we had one of those. You see them in India, the juice makers where they, they squeeze down on the oranges, you know? So we had one of those, and he'd make fresh orange juice. And he would just hang out with me. My mother never hung out with me, like, ever. She would take me places for my good. You know, we lived in New York, so she was always taking me to museums and operas for my cultural betterment. (laughs) My father took me to some cool places, but my father was with me to be with me. My mother was with me to show me off to her friends and to give me educational edification and cultural edification. But my father was with me to be with me. He liked being with me. And we had those two hours every day. And from those two hours every day, we developed a very, very deep connection. I am so grateful that my father supported my becoming a devotee. If he hadn't, I couldn't have done it. I could rebel against my mother. That wasn't hard. But I could not have rebelled against my father. I couldn't have done it. From the time I was little, my father said, don't ever smoke. This was before they had the warnings on cigarette packs. This was when they had cigarette ads on TV. And because he said it, I never smoked. When we, uh, in 1975, when we saw Srila Prabhupada, Prabhupada gave me Gayatri Mantra. And my father gave Prabhupada a check for life membership. And Prabhupada said, good father, good daughter. So if we want a relationship with the Bhagavatam, we have to give it quantity time also. To make a priority in our life. And of course, not just Bhagavatam. All of Prabhupada's books, Bhagavad Gita, Nectar Devotion. I met one devotee who said, you know, I just can't read Prabhupada's books. And I said, what's the problem? She said, well, I'm told I have to first read Bhagavad Gita and then Bhagavatam and then Chaitanya Charitamrita. And I just don't like the Bhagavad Gita. (laughs) So I don't read anything. (laughs) <laughs> and I said is there any proper books that you like she said I love the nectar devotion I said well read that but don't I have to I said you know right now you're doing nothing <laughs> so 
But it's not just the Bhagavatam. I think it's Hanuman Prasak Swami who reads the Nectar of Instruction over and over and over, carries it with him. Kanambakanda Swami reads the Chaitanya Charitamrita. He used to carry the big one-volume book. Now he has an electronic reader. It's like half of his carry-on. <laughs> so make some time for Krishna. And the last thing that I'll tell you, and I'm going to talk about this more another day, Krishna willing, and I have some more time to prepare and get some stuff together for all of you. When you hear nicely, you'll chant nicely. If we think about how attentive our chanting is, it comes from hearing. Hearing is the first stage of meditation. So we also, we won't have much time, but we discussed this briefly uh, with Manashiksha text 11, where Bhaktivinoda in his commentary goes through the stages of meditation. Prabhupada goes, oh, he must know. Where Prabhupada discusses the stages of meditation? Where in his books? Five stages of meditation with the third stage having five parts. Excellent. What verse? Eight. Eight. Somebody give him a maha sweet or something. <laughs> Hardly anybody knows that when I, when I ask. And what is the first stage of meditation? see who knows this. Woo-hoo. What is the first stage of meditation? Yes, hearing. When Prabhupada talking about attentive job, we'll bring the quote in another day. He said, if you're not reading the books, if you're not hearing, then your chanting will be inattentive, it'll be deficient. So this is, if we want to be absorbed in Krishna, if we want our chanting, our japa, our kirtan to be absorbed, if we want everything, it all starts with our hearing. It all starts with what we're contemplating. What are we absorbing our consciousness in? So to find the time. To be creative. There's all kinds of creative ways to read and hear Srila Prabhupada's books. Something that works for us, something that really brings out our attachment, something where we're really relishing it. And then we'll experience, here's Krishna and his associates. This is absolute. And then we will, we will attain perfection, even in this life, even in this body, even on this planet, even in this crazy Kali Yuga. No matter what we are, no matter who we are, no matter what are the struggles of our life, without failure. So we have some time for questions and comments and additions and subtractions and chast- do I get another chastisement from that here at the end of the room? Yes. Um, I think would you have any suggestions for like for me I I, I have time to read them when coming from work on the train home. Mm. But what I find is that my mind is so disturbed from whatever has happened at work that when I actually read the Bhagavatam, it's wonderful, but I'm not, it's sometimes hard to get to the point of even opening the Bhagavatam because mm. my mind is so disturbed mm. from everything that has happened at work, and work at the moment consumes quite a bit of my life. What kind of job do you have? Um, I work in tax, in one of the big four companies. In tax? In tax. And it's, it's not just, it's not exactly the work, but it's the, it's the environment that I work in, which is quite draining. Mm. 
A few suggestions for you. One is to find a way to make your work less draining. And that, if you can't change the externals of your work, if you can't get a different job or work in a different place, which sometimes might be a good idea if you're in a place that's an energy vacuum. But another thing is to approach your work differently. I mean, when I worked, I would start my work every day, and I hopefully no one ever found it, with the copy of Prabhupada's prayer when he came to Boston Harbor. I don't know why you brought me to this terrible place. (laughs) (laughs) And see, you know, don't see your work as... This is something I have to do so I can get money to pay the bills. And man, I wish I didn't have to maintain a material body. (laughs) What we don't want to do is we don't want to separate our Krishna... Like, here's my Krishna consciousness, and here's my work. You follow? You want to saturate your work with Krishna consciousness. Many years ago when I was in... uh, Croatia, Slovenia, I can't remember. Here Krishna Swami was giving a, a seminar on empathic communication, empathic listening and stuff. And, and mostly out of respect for him. You know, I lived in the zone for 16 years and he's my, the guru of my daughter, son, and granddaughter. So I thought, I'll go. Okay. And it, was, it was interesting and I liked it. And the next year he gave part two, and again, you know, mostly just out of respect for him, and I went. And after the first day, I said to him, Maharaj, what is the value of this? Why do you do it? Why are you teaching this? He said, this way I can counsel people and be energized instead of drained. And I'm like, wow! (laughs) How? And all of a sudden I went there with a very different mood. And the essence of it was to find how underneath everything... Everyone was really looking for Krishna. To see that underneath the superficial dealings, and this is one of my favorite parts of Prabhupada's books that I have read so many times and I could read only that eternally, is the preface to the Nectar Devotion. Where Prabhupada says, everyone is motivated by looking for taste. We're all looking for rasa. And we all want that rasa with Krishna, actually. And when you start to become aware of that, then what happens is you start connecting, as Prabhupada said in regard to Kunti when she said, please sever my tie of attachment. He said you start to connect soul to soul via the super soul with people. It doesn't matter which people. It's not only people who chant Hare Krishna. You start to connect soul to soul via the super soul people. And you see they're actually looking for Krishna. They're looking for shelter. They're looking for security. Right? What are people taxes? I mean, it has to do with money, right? And what is money? Money is a symbol for what? Pleasure, security, power, right? They're looking for Krishna. And start to meditate on that. Start to see this is a soul. Here's a soul who's hungry for Krishna, like George Harrison wrote in his, in his introduction to Krishna book. Everyone's looking for Krishna. Some don't realize that they are, but they are. And start seeing that underneath everything. And as you start, you know, start that becomes first intellectual. Gradually that becomes emotional. 
And and after and Krishna, what happens is Krishna gets so happy that you're making any effort to do this at all that he helps you. And he goes, here you go. Here you go. And you actually start connecting with people on that level. When you do that, everything you do energizes you. Nothing drains you. Things draining us means we're not connected with the source. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnat Ujachache Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnam Eva Vasishate. You see, like this thing has a very little battery. And if it runs on this battery, it gets drained. But if I have it plugged in, it doesn't get drained. So if we're getting drained, we're not content. So if we're getting drained at work or by our kids or by our spouse or by the leader of the Brahmacharya Ashram or whatever it may be that's draining us, you know, that means we're not connected. So find a way to connect. And because Krishna is everywhere and he's in everything, you can always connect. Another way you can connect, and I have some seminars on this online, is seeing Krishna in, and I'm back to Gata articles on this also, seeing Krishna in his energy. So we have, what are the chapters of the Bhagavad Gita, how we see Krishna in his energy? Seven. Seven. And? Nine. And? Ten. And? No. Fifteen. Fifteen. Very good. Seven, nine, (coughs) ten, fifteen. I am the light in all luminous objects. That means your computer screen. (laughs) I am the air. I am with the breath of life. I am the ability in man. I am the intelligence of man. That doesn't just mean males. Mm-hmm. Take one of those verses each day. Pick one each day. Okay, today I'm going to meditate on how Krishna is the air. Today I'm going to meditate how Krishna is the heat in fire. The warmth in the room. The warmth in my body. The warmth of the food the warmth of the computer. That heat is Krishna. Connect, 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 connect. Will you be able to do it all the time right away? No. Have you ever seen a child learning how to walk? So where do they spend most of the time in the beginning? On the floor. But little children don't get discouraged. Who here has seen a child learning how to walk? Guys had to associate with kids. It's a strange society. An odd, odd society. So when children learn how to work, first they stand up for a couple seconds, and then they just... And then maybe the next day, again, a couple seconds. And the child doesn't get discouraged by the... You know, they don't get discouraged, and they fall down hard. They get bruises. They walk into things... I remember a time when one of my kids always had bruises on his forehead because he was always walking into things. But they get so excited. They stand up for a couple seconds and, ah! and And the parents get so excited and they call their aunties and uncles and she stood up for two seconds. This is very much like what Jaisila Prabhu and, and uh, Bimalo talking about shining a light on the good qualities in others. Well, guess what? We need to do that for ourselves too. Connected with Krishna at work for two seconds today. <laughs> and maybe the next day it'll be four seconds. And then maybe you'll kind of plateau at four seconds for a week. And then it'll get up to eight seconds. And pretty soon you'll be connecting with Krishna at work for ten minutes. And pretty soon you'll be remembering, like every ten, fifteen minutes, oh yeah, connect with Krishna. Right, right, right. How am I going to connect? 
How am I going to connect with Krishna in that? Oh my God. <laughs> okay, let's see. Krishna says that he is the sound in ether. So even that sound that guy's making? <laughs> you know, and, and you'll, you'll do it. And Krishna will help you. He'll reciprocate. He gets all, Krishna gets so excited. Krishna said to Gopal Kumar, Vishnu actually, in the Brihad Bhagavatam, he said, I was dancing like a fool. When is he going to think of me? And he'll get so excited. And after you connect with Krishna at work, then when you're going home, you'll go, wow, Krishna. I've been finding you in my computer screen. I've been finding you in the guy yelling at his coworker. Now I get to be with you personally. How do you, how do, you do that with people who are competitive envious? Oh, there's competition in the spiritual world. You can remember how the coward boys are saying, I'm going to touch Krishna first. They're looking for Krishna. Instead of, I'm going to touch Krishna first, it's, I'm going to be the first to do this. The gopis compete. Don't say that name in this group, Krishna. You're not going to be welcome here anymore. I was just reading that nectar book. They compete. They complete to please Krishna. See, they're looking for Krishna. They're looking in the wrong place and in the wrong way. But touch the soul. Don't, don't worry about the body and the mind. Touch the soul. Wow, here's a soul just like me who's looking for Krishna. It's too bad they're looking in the wrong place in the wrong way. But they're looking for Krishna. Touch that desire in them for Krishna, however covered and perverted it may be. And you'll feel, wow. Somehow, somehow, somehow connected with Krishna. Connected philosophically. You remember, oh yeah, I read the people are really nervous. The Prabhupada says that. Somehow. How do you how do you forgive them for the pain that they inflicted? That is another seminar. <laughs> um, in sutra form, always want your enemies to learn joyfully. the sutra may you be free of your demoniac tendencies through joy that's the essence of it like Prahlad wish good for everyone may you stop being a royal jerk (laughs) through some joyful in a joyful way may you not have to suffer may you not have to suffer as you are causing me to suffer May you not get a reaction of suffering as you are hurting me. Like Draupadi, whose five children were murdered in their sleep after the war, when there was no point to it militarily whatsoever, in their sleep. By her husband's (coughs) teacher's son. And she said, don't kill him. May his mother not cry like I'm crying. May those who hurt me not suffer the harm they are causing me. May they be rectified through joy. Even if you say it and don't mean it, Krishna will help you. Just say it anyway. Say it like a robot and Krishna will go, wow, and he'll give you realization. (laughs) Anybody else? Yes. 
You spoke about um, you know, having ten seconds and then trying to increase our remembrance. Yeah. And um, what I really want in my life is to always be thinking of Krishna in that way. And, um, and sometimes when I have the opportunity to do it, I'm more, it's almost like I'm scared of it, or I, I opt for just the mundane consciousness, like what Gurudev um, said yesterday, don't wallow in your usual consciousness yeah. here. And <clears throat> yeah, I tend to opt for that too often out of like fear that I won't be able to maintain that, that's not who I am, I'm not that great. Just stay down here and it's easier. And I think also what's there is like, I'll have to maintain it and that's like quite a big responsibility because then, you know, people, it's almost like I'll, I'll be accountable to be at that level. So I just choose to stay down here. Yeah, Arjuna also, and we'll talk about this also, Arjuna also said, Krishna, if I were to surrender to you and think of you, all these terrible things will happen. The women would be unprotected and I'd go to hell and I'd, I'd just, you know, all, all these terrible things will happen if I surrender. And, and it's too hard. This system, is, it, seems, it, it seems impossible to me. Krishna, I can't do that. What if I fail? I, I'll have given up everything material and then I'll, I'll get the spiritual, I'll be a riven cloud. So, illusion has this song. This, this song you're telling me that goes on in your mind. Terrible things will happen and it will be too hard. <laughs> we all hear the same song. We have a different list of what terrible things will happen. And we have a different list of why it will be too hard. We all hear the same song. I want to surrender. I want... but but. Then I'll, maybe I'll become proud because I'm surrendered. No, no. Better to be unsurrendered and humble. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I'll have to maintain the ecstasy. Oh, my God. <laughs> That'd be so much work. And then other people will think that I, you know, if I'm blissful one minute, then they'll be really disappointed when I'm not blissful the next minute. Oh, my God. And then they'll just think I'm a hypocrite and a phony and... So better to just be an honest pig. <laughs> right? Isn't it? I, I've heard the same song lots and lots of times. I mean, this is not a new... It's, a, it's one of the top 40 hits. <laughs> don't think of Krishna. Don't surrender to Krishna. All these terrible things will happen. And it's too hard anyway. You can't do it. You'll fail. So basically, you want to recognize that that song is Maya's song. She sings it to everybody. It's kind of an old, boring song at this point. It's like that was a hit in the 50s already. (laughs) And recognize it. Recognize that this is Maya's song. It's the same thing. You'll find that throughout the Shastra, people making the same thing, uh, there will be negative consequences, and it's too hard recognize it. Exactly like the, the sailors on the ship recognize those were the witches. And go, I know you. The way, you know, I'm sure you use email and stuff, right? And do you ever get scam things? <laughs> and you recognize them. Right? Somebody just sent me something over Skype. 
look at this video about girls. You know, immediately I wrote back to her. I said, I think you've been hacked. You know, I'm from Nigeria. Oh, sorry if any of you are from Nigeria. I'm, I'm a Nigerian prince, and, you know, you can get a billion dollars, right? And you just, you just know, right? <laughs> so it's the same thing. You know, as soon as you see that in your Skype, in your email, whatever, you go, uh, you've been hacked. And you don't click on the thing. Some of them even have your name on it. You see, those how somebody was hacked with the thing that there was some URL that said Ormila Davy Dossi at the end. You know, it has, has, it's personal for me, personal hack. So just, rec- oh, that, that's Maya. That's Maya. That's, that's her thing. That's what she does. That's her job. I'm not blaming her. It's her job. She's, I said this when somebody could get really mad at me. Don't criticize Vaishnavi. Okay, okay, fine. She's Krishna's sister. That's her job. She's a devotee. But just say, I know you. And don't click on it. Basically. Just tell, I know you. I've seen you before. I've talked to you before. It's not true. Nothing you're saying to me is true. If I look at it, I see that it's completely absurd. And if I heard anybody else say it, I would see how absurd it was. You know, if you heard anyone else saying what you said, you'd like, Really? But somehow when it's in our mind, it becomes very scary and very real. And just ignore it. Really, just don't click on it. You can go ahead jabbering all you want, but I'm going to choose the best thing. And when you make the wrong choice, just pick yourself up and go on. You know, really, celebrate when you make the right choices. Don't beat yourself up for the wrong ones, seriously. Be like the child learning how to walk. It is, it is for most of us a gradual process. It really is. And we gain faith by, whenever we make the right choices, we go, oh, Maya was lying. And that gives you more and more and more confidence when next time she speaks, oh, I know you. All right? It does work. It does work. We have time for one more? Anybody? You all hungry? <laughs> Thank you very much. Shilaprabhupada Ki Jai. Shilaprabhupada Ki Jai.